You're about to hear a podcast recorded before our rebrand, so you might hear us mention our previous brand name, We Are Radical, or our original podcast name, The Radicalist. We're still the same show with the same hosts on the same mission. And if you'd like to find out how we got here, you'll find our journey on the stories page of obuinvest.com. Hello and welcome to the Radicalist podcast, where we have frank conversations with fierce women founders. This is the podcast about not settling, full of honest conversations with women who have wanted to build their own businesses and did. If you're making the tough but incredible decision to start up, sustain or scale your own business, we've got you. Because we're a podcast by, for and about women who do exactly that. Women looking that leap in the eye, women taking their first steps as founders, women with stories about the journeys they've been on, the hacks that have helped and everything they've seen along the way. Women like us and women like you. We're Sarah King and Claire Dunn and we're the founders of We Are Radical and this is The Radicalist Podcast. In this week's show, we're talking to Sally Calden. Sally is an amazing abstract artist and the founder and entrepreneur behind Red Dog Glass Designs. As you'll hear during this conversation, there isn't an exciting job that Sally hasn't done, and she brings all of her life and work experience into her business. Her passion and her drive are simply infectious. We talked to Sally about how one overheard comment at an arts exhibition led to a worldwide business idea. She'll share how she's taken her beautiful artwork and translated that onto glass that sits perfectly in homes, offices, yachts and hotels across the UK and the world. She's certainly not the overnight success story, but she'll share the twists and turns, challenges and joyous moments that have led her to creating Red Dog Glass Design. So Sal, we have had the absolute pleasure of knowing you for about 12 months now. I believe. Yeah. But yeah. we would love for you to describe to our listeners, kind of tell them more about tell them more about Sally, who you are and how you've got to this place. Wow. Well <laughs> <laughs> where to start? Yeah, where to start? Well, I guess three quick facts about my personality is that I number one, I get bored really easily. So that's the first thing. Number two, I absolutely love challenges and adventures. That's what really gives me a great buzz. And number three, I love physical space. Mm. So by that, I mean, I grew up in Norfolk on the beaches, huge skies in Norfolk. So this real sense of space, which is just so freeing, really. Um, And I lived out in Australia. I lived in the outback for a while. So I just love space. And my art that I paint now is all about framing infinity. So it's a deep-seated love even though I live in Bristol I can get out quickly out into the countryside and onto the ocean and things I've lived quite an exciting life and when I left home I started off and I I left home I went to train as a nurse at Adam Brooks in Cambridge and the thing that my mum said to me just as I was leaving home she said make sure you take every opportunity Mm, wow so I have to say it's been extremely exhausting but I have and um (laughs) So I've had a a fantastic time. I've been very, very lucky. I'm on my 11th career change. Uh, I've been a nurse. I've been a midwife. I've been very lucky to deliver probably around 400 babies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I worked as a community midwife in Bristol. 
and then went out to Australia. I've done extensive traveling. I lived in the jungle in Papua New Guinea for a while and then worked up on a cattle station. Then I came back to the UK traveling again and joined SmithKline Beecham, where I was uh, worked in the international division. I uh, worked in tropical medicine, so I spent a lot of time in Bangladesh and in Central America and Africa. I uh, did my MBA, helped drive the capability in international, building it into really a force to be reckoned with to do clinical studies in, which was fantastic. Then I worked the R&D board at GSK, and then I was headhunted by PricewaterhouseCoopers in the city and moved across to them to work globally to help build their pharmaceutical consulting division. That's mad. So we've heard a few times in our conversations some of the careers. I had no idea about Papua New Guinea. And cattle farm. Did you say cattle farm? Yeah, cattle uh, ranch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to fly into work by helicopter in the mornings. It was no, great. That's yeah, mad. it was so cool. My legs dangled out of the helicopter and then I leapt out like you know in the films it's fantastic oh like challenge oh yeah no in the films not like challenge <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in the film sounds much more yeah, yeah. There, but yeah. <laughs> it's, who's um, she I'm joking. <laughs> never heard of her yeah, yeah. it's amazing yeah. to hear all of those experiences Sal and kind of mm. how much with each one of those things that you've mentioned I think for us, we can see how that has then gone on to shape your business and really shaped the person that you are as a business owner and as an entrepreneur. Um, Can you tell us now a little bit more about Red Dog? Yeah, I just forgot to mention probably a really important part was that I actually did then go to art school (laughs) where I learned to paint. It's actually quite pertinent for Red Dog. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I went to art school and became a professional artist. That was my thing. So then Red Dog came along. So Red Dog, basically, it evolved out of me becoming a professional artist. When I left art school and I got a studio and I got involved in having exhibitions, I very, very quickly realised that I wasn't going to make a living. <laughs> I wasn't going to to feed myself from selling my paintings. I think you have to die first before you become famous <laughs> as an artist. So I wasn't quite prepared for that. So I knew I needed to do something business-wise because of my background. So I wanted to kind of merge the art and business. So one of the big things that I'm very passionate about, because I'm an abstract painter, a lot of people get quite frightened by it, especially if people avoid going sometimes to exhibitions if it's abstract because they're not really sure what they're looking at. And so they get frightened by it or they look at it and think, and I've had this said to me, actually not my paintings, but other people's paintings. You know, my three-year-old could have painted that. So Mm. what's so special? So I'm really passionate about trying to get abstracted art a bit more accessible and more fun. So it's not so serious. So I came up with the idea of getting my art onto glass. So I make contemporary art glass panels and they can be in splashback form or for feature walls. And really, I'm all about transforming spaces into the extraordinary by fusing my contemporary art with exciting materials and technology. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, and there's an incredible story that we know sits behind where that spark of transferring your artwork onto glass came from. We'd love for you to share that with our listeners. Basically, I choose the paintings that are part of the collection and then I have the painting scanned. So basically the painting 
is then digitized to a very, 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 very high resolution. And then I've got the most amazing designer I work with, Lizzie Everard, who is queen of red dog design, who's been (laughs) with me right from the beginning, which has been amazing. And we work together. What she does is she then deconstructs my painting. And depending on the size of the piece of glass that's needed to be made. So for example, if a painting is, you know, a metre by metre, for example, and somebody comes to me and says, right, I need a five metre panoramic stretch of glass for my kitchen. So clearly a square painting into a four metre, five metre long panoramic, you don't stretch it. So there's no stretching, there's no flipping, there's no copying, there's no nothing. We deconstruct the painting and then recreate a new painting for that space using the design. That's amazing. So every piece is bespoke. Mm. When, I, when I first started out, I thought that there would be set sizes that everyone would just go for. And it's unbelievable. Nobody has had the same size piece of glass yet. Mm. Mm. It's that uniqueness as well, isn't it, in terms of what you're able to offer your customers and that fusing of, you know, your courage in terms of fusing the world of art and technology to create innovation. I think that's what really comes through from your career until now, which is you're not afraid to explore those different worlds and collide those different worlds. And that's exactly what you've done within this business to bring something unique to market for your customers, whether your customers are someone looking for unique splashback for their shower or whether you're working with hotel chains or cruise ships. It's kind of actually where are the spaces where you can make your artwork accessible for people Uh, and what's super exciting is it's just infinite where Mm. I can put it so I'm looking to work with another glass manufacturer who works with a different type of ink that is indestructible it's ceramic ink it gets baked onto the glass so I can clad swimming pools and I can clad the outside of buildings and I can make outdoor furniture there's actually no end to Mm what I can do with it. My main challenge is actually keeping focused, to be honest, because it's all too exciting. And with the technology as well, super exciting. So not only do we digitally create the new painting, but I've also really interested in augmented reality. And I was very lucky I applied for an Arts Council grant last year. And this, again, stems back to me really wanting to make abstract art accessible to people and to make it fun. And I created this immersive experience of watching me paint a painting. And I'm an avatar, but you can see the painting grow. And it was meant to go on tour. So it was a set out in a big room and you walked around it. But because of COVID, it was cancelled. But we managed to divert some of the money and we've created an app called Abstracted, where you can download it and watch me paint on your kitchen table. So I want to transpose that now with my glass And I'm now talking to a tech entrepreneur about how we can allow Red Dog to create an app where, you know, hotels or people in private residence can download an app and they can transpose the design onto their space that they're wanting the glass panel um, so that they can see it before they buy, which Mm. is great. I remember the day when Claire, you downloaded your abstracted app and you came into the office and said, Sal was on my kitchen worktop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's, it's it was very freaky in a really cool way. I was just like, I know her. She's on my yeah. table. Look at the painting. <laughs> and you can walk around it. What's yeah. Great. So you could do 360 around it. Yeah. And, and you can actually walk into me. 
so you can really? you can, you can hold, you. <laughs> hold the phone so that you're where my eye level and you can watch the painting grow no way yeah yeah, yeah. that's really it's cool so cool we didn't that try that really cool. bit we need to do that in the office yeah, today we'll i think <laughs> <laughs> so sal you touched on a moment ago how much you love ideas and you are a visionary and we talk about that in terms of kind of expansive thinking and enjoying that space where you're thinking about possibility and you're using your imagination but we also know that entrepreneurs need to be reductive as well and when we talk about being reductive it's the kind of well how do you translate big picture thinking those big ideas into reality so that they're not just lots of lovely ideas, but actually they're not having real impact. How do you create time or what practices do you wrap around that reductive work, given your preferences so much more for the the big picture and the ideas and the imagination? Yeah, that's a really good question. (laughs) It's really hard. Um, Mm. I think, number one, this is where I draw on my different careers and the discipline that I've learnt through these different careers especially as a management consultant at Pricewaterhouse and the GSK piece, where, you know, you had to deliver things. And I was quite operational then. So I've pulled on that and I have to dig very deep sometimes to keep myself on track. The way I manage it is I create a timetable each week and I block time out to do specific tasks because I need to contain it. Otherwise, it becomes all consuming and then I get really frustrated by it. Mm. so I book time in the calendar and I make myself do it I quite enjoy it sometimes it's a feeling of satisfaction when I get it done it's it's often it's a thought that's worse but the other thing I do is and I think it's really important for everybody is to ask be prepared to ask for help Mm. Um, so I call on experts to reduce the pain a bit Mm. to just help me through the bumps where I just sort of hit it and I can't move on sort of psychologically Mm. But one of the things is I do want to understand how it all works, but then I'm very happy to delegate it Mm. once I've kind of cracked that. Mm. And you've kind of talked to us about, you know, within your business, when you start out, you're having to wear all of the hats and play all of the roles. But you've always been very clear from the beginning, the sort of operational setup of your business whilst yes you want to know how that's working and that it's enabling you to achieve your business goals you're the artistic director within your business and the visionary within your business and so as you just described at the stage where you've been able to you've kind of outsourced those roles haven't you kind of marketing operational brilliance and operational setup you've brought people in to support you with that yeah yeah absolutely I think one of the things, you know, as the business grows, I'm very aware that you need to have a very strong infrastructure in place. Mm. The back office, it's easier, even though it's painful, is to set it up properly from the beginning Mm. um, because then you can build on it. If you don't do that and you wing it a bit and then you get busy, it's really hard to take a step back to then build. So long term, I don't have an intention to run the business. I don't Mm. want to run the business side. I want to be focusing my energies on the R&D, the sales, getting out there and talking to people and inspiring people and working Mm. with people uh, and going out and taking the company internationally, basically. Mm. So that links us actually beautifully, Sally, into a question that we always ask because we're so curious to understand the difference. And we often find that there's the the version of your business that you might describe to 
the person in the street, and then there's the version of your business that you might describe to your closest friend, that kind of think big version of your business. What does that look like for you in for Red Dog? Oh, I, I tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, Love it. <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, I think that unless you have a vision, you're never going to get there because mm. you don't know where you're going. So what I do is I just tell people these outrageously massive ideas and then I'm kind of held to it because people are going oh how's that going it's like oh yeah well we're getting there getting there you know yeah (laughs) so I think so I do tell everybody well basically I've already alluded to the fact I'm taking Red Dog International so the Red Dog Kennel is going to get a passport (laughs) I've got sponsorship to go to Oz to go and paint because the colour the actual light in Australia is very different and the colour palette's different. So I have actually sent some designs out there already and the feedback is that it's very European, the mm. colouring. And I get that because I lived in Oz for eight years. Mm. So I'm going to go and paint and then release designs out in Oz. So set up a little red dog kennel out in Oz and probably expand it down to New Zealand maybe. I'll have a look at Asia and then I've got somebody in the States that's waiting to pick it up as well. So international is an absolute definite. I'm expanding residential and commercial. That's happening now. The cutting edge technology, I really want to get involved with that. And that's the R&D side of stuff. So, you know, the augmented reality piece that will allow me to get to work with the bigger architectural firms and things for the specs, etc. So that's super exciting. I'm going to be bringing on guest artists. So, you know, watch this space you know, we'll get some new emerging artists, but also it'd be great to bag a couple of famous ones as well, just to have a <laughs> bit of fun. Um, I am actually talking to some people in more affordable housing areas and yeah. opportunities there. So, you know, I, th- I think I want to expand. It's not just going to be about very, very high end work because I've just uh, launched my unlimited editions, which are off the shelf, if you like, uh, glass panels where you can buy specific sizes in specific designs. And that's targeted really for people that perhaps their budget won't quite reach to bespoke at the moment, but they would like a piece of art in their house. So you can get a little piece to go behind your wash basin or whatever. Yeah. I really want to inspire people and make spaces extraordinary. So, you know, there'll be things that actually aren't in my vision because I don't know they exist yet, Mm. but when they pop their head up, I'll know it and I'll go for it. So when when our listeners are kind of hearing everything that you're describing in terms of your vision and accessing new international markets and collaborating with incredible people, thinking about how you make your artwork accessible, from the outside looking in, that all sounds really exciting and really uplifting and as though, yes, you're really clear on where you're taking this business. Now, we know that you're really fueled by that vision and by the energy and excitement around that. But we also know that entrepreneurship isn't always just about that vision and that energy and excitement. For anyone listening, can you describe for us how you've gone from the idea of Red Dog to being able to think about these collaborations and working internationally and growing your business in that way? I don't tend to put barriers in the way of what I'm going to do. And I think it stems back from when I lived in Oz and it's like a just do it attitude. Mm. I mean, I've always just got on and done things, which have been exciting. But, you know, if I went into work in Oz 
on a Monday, they went, oh, what did you do at the weekend? So I'll go, well, I actually went and had my first helicopter lesson because I want to learn how to fly a helicopter. They're going, oh, great, that's great, you know, da-da-da, that's brilliant. If I did that in the UK, they go, well, what on earth are you doing that for? You know, where are you going to go in your helicopter? Sometimes people shut things down before Mm. they're given a chance to breathe. And so I have held on to that since I've been back. Basically, in my view, anything is possible. If you want to do it and you want to do it badly enough, you will find a way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I use the word navigate quite a lot in what I do because it is navigating. I sail. That's all about navigation to get to where you want to go. And so it's never a straight line. You've got all sorts of pitfalls and mountains to climb on the way. But basically, my journey from getting my studio, I guess, and the boom moment of Red Dog, which was at the gallery where a lady saw a Perspex painting that I'd hung from the ceiling. And I overheard her say at the private view, oh, that would look interesting in a kitchen. And it was like, boom, I've got it. Glass panels, you know. And then I researched it and found that no one else was really doing it, Mm -hmm. you know, with fine art. So that was super exciting. I think for me, I have to have these like really exciting things to look forward to because there is a lot of mundane as well. Mm -hmm. And and you've just got to get on with that. And that is the same in whatever job you do. There's always bits you like and always bits you don't. I guess being self-employed and being an entrepreneur, you do get maybe a bit more choice. You've still got to do it or find a way of getting it done. But you can try and make the boring fun. But I have to say that one of the really, really important things on my journey, and I'm not just saying this because you're interviewing me, I'm just saying it for real, because I'm not one that likes networks and all that sort of stuff. It's just tedious. I find it really boring. But I do have to say genuinely that joining Radical has been absolutely amazing. And I I think having come from well most of my career I've worked in teams and had big teams of people that I've worked with and then suddenly to be on your own as an entrepreneur you're on your own and it's up to you to do everything mm. it can be really lonely yeah. and, and also you don't know everything I mean I don't know the answer to thinking loads of stuff so to be able to be part of a community and it's a intelligent safe community where you can go and ask questions and lay it out what you can't do and you might think oh god that's a really stupid question but it doesn't matter Mm. everyone's had that question at some point usually and even if you're talking to somebody from a different area that works in a completely different field it's all relevant because you can usually apply the challenges that other people have to your business so I think that being part of a community like Radical or you know there's others Mm. out there as well it's been really critical for me it just boosts your confidence. You know, mm-hmm. I'm quite a confident person, but sometimes you do think, God, am I going mad? You know, mm-hmm. or I just really don't know how to do this. But I've got somewhere I can go and safely ask and go and help other people as well, which right. is really nice. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a fantastic place to be in when you're building your business. So thank you. I think for Claire and I, being able to show up for work every day and be in the company of incredible women building their businesses whether that's someone who's just had an idea and they're taking their first steps or or someone like you who is preparing to scale and thinking about investment it's just such a privilege to play that role and and create a space where that know-how and connection and inspiration can happen and and I completely agree with you whether it's the radical community or a different community I think having those people around you so that you don't feel isolated and you're not 
spinning on those decisions, it's just really, really important because it it is isolating, particularly if you've been in a career where you've been surrounded by other people and then you start a business and it's like, well, where is everybody? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Where's my team? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And where's the IT help desk? That is definitely the thing I miss. (laughs) (laughs) It is so true. One of the reasons when, when we first started building Radical was that idea of how many thousands of women are sat at their kitchen Mm. tables googling stuff and if you just start with that really simple question then the answer comes quite quickly which is we need we need to shortcut that learning Mm. because imagine if that effort went into connecting with you instead in the radical community a woman who's Mm. had 11 careers has got a wealth of wisdom and expertise and know-how and you're an incredible cheerleader for the other women in the community as well as showing up for yourself all of the time it's like isn't that a better way just to spend your time and energy than googling yeah. gdpr yeah. rules yeah yeah and i think a lot of it there's a lot of people that you know from a confidence perspective mm. it's really important even if they come on board and, and just sit and listen mm. and don't necessarily say very much at the beginning that's fine mm. but they can just start to hear that actually they do know some stuff and actually their idea is actually pretty good yeah um you know, that way just starts to build. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's really interesting how some of the themes from this conversation around courage and, mm. and having the confidence to, you know, collide your different thoughts and your different ideas and translate that into a business. And, and then to think about, well, where could I take that business idea and which markets does it fit well in? And I think sometimes that can be overwhelming, but you just have to start. You know, we just have to start by taking that idea and not worrying if it doesn't work out. If it doesn't work out, that's learning. And then you'll go again with that learning. Oh, my God, I've started quite a few things and they've just been not a disaster, but, you know, Mm. (laughs) I've learned from them. And then you just, it doesn't matter. You know, you've learned from it and you pick yourself up and you think, okay, well, that didn't work. So let's try this. And Mm. that's all part of it. And I think you've just got to be resilient. You've just got to have a bit of energy and be prepared to be knocked down a few times you know you're trying to get through you know I'm trying to break into the commercial world well it's not a great time at the moment because you know the hotels are all getting busy to reopen after lockdown three so they're not going to be one to think about glass mm. you know that's my priority is the glass but it's mm. not their priority so it's like okay well I need to take it in a different direction and target some different people at this point and then once they're up and running then I can go back and and address it so you've just constantly just got to be agile and flexible I always love the analogy of skiing if you're a skier and you're skiing down this great slope and there's a few moguls around and then it's a complete whiteout immediately (laughs) you can't see a thing and so you just you have to just bend your knees and go with the bumps yeah if you try and fight it you're going to fall over but if you can just go with it you'll get down safely. So for me, that's how it feels like in business. It's you've just got to go with it, be agile, navigate, duck, dive, whatever you need to do, and you'll work your way through it and find the right way. And what's been incredible to watch with you is that we know your big vision is commercial, international, and we can one day when we have the radical villa, the swimming pool will definitely be wrapped around in um, Red Dog Glass. (laughs) So we know that that's your big vision and you'll absolutely get there. What's been brilliant to watch, though, is Mm. that 
agility in your business to also listen to. More and more people are spending time at home. People are spending a lot of money in their homes because they're spending more time in their homes. They want to be surrounded by beautiful things that are unique and special. And instead, you've taken, you know, your more high-end bespoke proposition and turned it into your unlimited collection, which is a more accessible version, but still incredibly beautiful with no infringement on the quality so that people can bring your artwork into their homes. And you've adapted by looking at the market trends, by listening to customer feedback, by switching up the dials in terms of, well, my focus was over here, but that's a bit of a non-starter at the moment. So let me shift it over here because Mm. this is an emerging market demand. It's something that I can serve. People are, are asking for this. Let me go produce it. And you've done that really quickly in the face of the pandemic. Yeah, but that's what makes it exciting, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it'd be boring if I got a roadmap and you just follow it. Yeah, like, right. You know, it'd just be mm, tedious. Yeah. You know, it's not exciting. It's like being sparky and just having to work out how to do it. That's why I, I really enjoy that. You know, it's, it, yeah, it'd be boring if it was easy, wouldn't it? Right. We don't want boring. <laughs> a bit more boring. No, boring doesn't, no, doesn't appeal. Doesn't work. Um, I think, do you know, I think this is so important because. Claire and I often talk about the Dragon's Den version of entrepreneurship Mm. and I very happily will watch Dragon's Den and take lessons from it. However, sometimes this sort of narrative around business ownership or entrepreneurship is the sort of overnight success story Mm. or the, well, I had this idea and then I went and secured half a million investment and then it grew and then look, (laughs) ta-da! And that's not the reality. And I think the reality does require tenacity and resilience and accepting that you won't on day one make a plan and 12 months later or three years later it will look like that because it just won't and the very nature of entrepreneurship is that we're continually yes we are heading towards a vision but we're continually adapting and and pivoting our way towards that vision Mm -hmm. because we have to respond to what's going on in the world and within the market that we're operating in. Yes, I totally agree. And I think the other point for me is I'm quite an impatient person. When I set out with Red Dog, I thought within a year I'd have cracked it. Mm. You know, off we go, just so it didn't happen. Mm. And I've had to learn to be patient because things will happen, but not everybody works at my speed. I've had to really work quite hard at that. And I still have to work hard at that and be accepting of the fact it's going to take longer than I would like it to take. But that's what you've got to do. So, Sal, you've touched on some learnings already. Have you got any tips, any guidance for entrepreneurs who are just starting out on their business startup? So right at the early stages of that startup process. I have to say the first thing and the most important thing is just do it. Just start. It's very easy to keep thinking about it and thinking, I'm not just quite ready. It's not quite the right time. Actually, there's never going to be a right time. So just do it jump in it's like standing on a on the end of a jetty in Scandinavia looking at this very cold lake and you know you've got to jump and you know it's going to be really cold but just go for it so I would say first of all just do it just get on with it the second one is if you are able to link into a community of like-minded people so I think that's an important point they need to be like-minded there are a lot of networks out there that are extremely good at what they do 
But, you know, I think the radical community, I'm going to just come back to it again, because for me, it's a very special community of entrepreneurial women that are generous, they want to make things happen, and they're generous spirited with their information and sharing and helping to learn. So I think if you can find a community to link into just to help you on your way and just be there and get engaged as much as you want. But in my experience, you get out of it what you put in. So there needs to be an investment. And I think it's this have a go. If it doesn't work, it is so not the end of the world. There's no such thing as failure. It's learning, actually. Give it a go. If it doesn't work, hey, we found out it doesn't work. So what? Go and try something different. If you had three things, they would be mine. So it's get on with it. Find a community that you relate to. If it doesn't work, try something else. I think all of those points are just so important. And, you know, we talk about this quite a lot, which is just start. Think big, start small, but do start. Mm. That whole sense of sometimes that big vision can be really overwhelming. So it can be fueling and it can be energizing. And for you, it, it absolutely is. You know, that's what gets you up and keeps you going every day. For other women that we've either worked alongside or we've spoken to before, that big vision can be just too big. It can feel such a million miles away. So your advice to just do it, just take that first step. And then you take the next step after that mm. and the next one after that. And all of a sudden you've created a bit of momentum and you're and you're figuring stuff out and you're learning things and some things will go well and some things won't. And you take all of that learning and you fuel it and you put it into the next step and the next thing. And a year or two later, he, you know, you could be there running a business. And I think that's so mm. important to not think it has to be this one great big almighty leap. Yeah. Because yeah. I think yeah. that can just be so off-putting. Yeah. And even now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I have all these great visions and I get very inspired and energised by it all. But I have moments where I am totally overwhelmed by mm. what I've got to do. Down to the day-to-day nitty-gritty stuff. It's just like, oh, God, where on earth do I start? You know, you just mm. feel like it's all kind of tumbling on you. And I think it's just taking little nibbles, as you said, just chip away at it and it becomes more manageable. It's like the elephant, isn't it? You don't need yeah, right. you don't yeah. chomp on the elephant as a whole, you nibble at it. And I think that's something you just need to remind yourself that it's not you you're not going to deliver the final product in an instant. That doesn't happen. That's it's a lot of nibbling that goes on to get there. So Sal, what about at the other end? So you're at this stage with your business now that you are preparing to scale you've worked hard to get your business model to where it is and are now thinking about okay I know the propositions I know the markets that I want to grow and scale in what advice would you I suppose it's almost advice you would give for yourself but also for other founders who are at this stage where you're preparing to scale what insights or reflections would you offer for for business owners who are at the stage that you're at Keep taking the vitamin tablets. Yeah. Yes. Uh, self-care. Yeah. yeah, self-care is really important. I think from a business perspective, getting the infrastructure in place and really making sure that you've got it as efficient as you can for what you need at the moment, you're able to scale it when you need to. So for me personally, I've now got a CRM in place. I've got finance systems in place, which looking at the size of my business today, you think, well, that's a bit of an overkill. But actually, I'm preparing it for when it gets super busy and much bigger so that I can automate it and I can pass it on easily to an operations person. They can manage it. So getting the foundations of your business and the infrastructure in place 
So it's solid and you can grow it easily. It can build, I think is really important. The other thing is never, never underestimate your networks Mm -hmm. and continue to build your networks. It's about relationship building. So, you know, I think some people make a bit of a mistake that when they link up with somebody for the first time for a long time, they go straight into sales chat. And that's not what you need to do. You know, it's about building relationships, building awareness of your product, if that's what you're selling or your service. And then, you know, when the time comes, you can bring it into the conversation. Even if you do half an hour a week of just topping things up and keeping linked with people, I think that's really important. And then I think persistence and endurance. I row as well, so I've done quite a lot of sport. And it's like when you're in a race, you kind of get halfway through the course, three quarters of the way through the course, your legs are killing you, you can't breathe, but you've just got to dig deep and you've just got to find something from somewhere just to keep going because you know there's an end, but you've just got to keep going. I think you're completely right. Success, however you define it, takes time. And entrepreneurship is a roller coaster ride. You know, it's a complete privilege to build something that you're passionate about, but it's also incredibly hard work, mm-hmm. particularly when you're preparing to scale the business. And we would support everything you've said that need for self care and, well, how am I going to fuel my resilience? And what is it that gives me energy? And that will be different for everybody. And I think it's so important to know the thing that fuels you so that you can build that in yes well the thing is that if you don't do that it's so easy just to stay in front of your computer Mm. and make some more phone calls or do some more stuff but if you go for half an hour's walk outside with some fresh air even if it's raining you know you'll come back and you'll be twice as productive Mm -hmm. because you've just managed to clear your head it's so so important so hard to do when you're busy and especially if you're kind of panicking a bit because you're thinking oh god I've got to do this and I've got a deadline for this and whatever but actually have the courage to just step away for half an hour. That's really interesting use of the word courage and I think it's bang on because sometimes I think we feel in entrepreneurship because we are wearing all of the hats and very often all of the responsibilities sit with us we feel like courage is sitting at the desk for longer working a bit harder putting Mm. more hours in doing more of the things And actually courage comes in knowing how you work best and knowing that that half hour walk is going to fuel you or Mm. for us, we always end up with tight hamstrings. So it's like a stretch. A downward dog. A downward dog. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Whatever works. (laughs) But it's, that actually, I think, takes courage. Mm. That part of entrepreneurship is so often overlooked, which is, the courage to understand and trust yourself and also Mm. know what you need in order to do a good job instead of what we often see, which is, you know, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or whoever building these huge organizations just by doing 20 hour days and never leaving a dark, damp garage for months on end. You know, that's the view of entrepreneurship sometimes. And actually it's not realistic for most people to be able to do that anyway. And also just what a miserable way to grow a business. Yeah, I agree. You've got to get the balance, but you've also got to have fun. Yeah. Yes. You know, if you're not having fun, you're doing the wrong thing. Mm. Sal, we always love our conversations with you, whether it's in a hot seat, whether you are sharing know-how and wisdom with other women in the community or on our Accelerator programme. They're always such 
joyful conversations, even the ones when, you know, you are in one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the dip in the roller coaster moments. It's always such a privilege to be able to talk to you. And if our listeners want to find out more about you, they can follow you, can't they? Yes, I'm on Instagram. So Red Dog Glass Design on Instagram, or you can follow my painting on Sally Calden. And I'm on LinkedIn. So Red Dog Glass Design again, or Sally Calden. Facebook page as well. Just building that, actually. That's not one of my favourites, um, but that's <laughs> going on there. Or email me at sally at reddogglassdesign.com. It'd be great to hear from you. Yeah, any questions, far away. It was um, really good to chat to you, Sally. Thank you for being on the Radic List. Thank you very much indeed. It's very exciting. Next week, our guest is Egg Bay. Egg Bay is a legal disruptor and the founder of Manton Legal. It's one you're not going to want to miss. For more know-how and inspiration on how to start, sustain and scale your business, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode.